What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Benitez, coming to you live from nice and cold, 55 degrees in LA. Yo, there's like a winter freeze, like record, I don't even know what to call it, like a record freeze temperature that are that is hitting across the United States and the world. And I'm just glad <laughs> that I live in the beautiful capital metropolitan of LA where the lowest it gets at night is like 37 and that's freezing. So, um, but if you live in any other country or state, which a lot of people do, just come out to LA <laughs> and move over here and enjoy the sun. <laughs> no, but for real, welcome everyone. Uh, it's going to be an amazing episode. Today, I'm going to endeavor by the Spirit of God to go over the two most mystical books found in the Bible. And I'm not saying that like to blow smoke. These two books, which I'm about to talk about, by the Spirit of God, so much so that I'm I'm not going to be doing parobial wisdom today, but just for today, just so I can allocate the majority of the time to talk about these two books. These two books, first of all, there's signs and types all throughout the Bible. I want to give you this, I want to submit this to you, that whenever you read the Bible, the Bible says in the book of Job, I've used this scripture so many times, listen to what it says, that wisdom has two sides. One translation says wisdom has two heads. There's a natural wisdom that you can learn from, something practical takeaway for your life, but there's also a spiritual aspect of it. The Bible even said that first in 1 Timothy, Paul spoke of his life, and Paul by the Spirit said, my life is a pattern. That Greek word is type. My life, Paul said, is a type. So whatever you see in the scriptures, whether it's a shipwreck, whether it's Eutychus falling down from the third heaven or the upper room, whatever you see, there, there's deeper truth. You see, the word of God is so rich. It's so deep and it's so uh, surface and shallow to just take it literally. The Bible is so, re so rich, so deep, so spiritual that it is only by the Holy Spirit of God to unveil these things to you. So, what two books was I talking about? I'm talking about the book of Job, and I'm talking about the book of Revelation. So first of all, the book of Job, let's start with that. What about Job? Well, you know, what about Job's suffering? All these things, you know, coming out of the charismatic circle and the word of faith circle, a lot of times it's like whenever anyone posed or asked a question, which honestly, it's a valid question. If anyone asks, what about Job? It's a valid question. And it's very, um, it's very condemning to just be like, well, you know, and just kind of dismiss whenever a, a sincere believer is asking you the question, well, what about Job? What about Job, Anthony? And if I'm, if my response was to be like, I don't know, shut up, like, you know, and, and no explanation to it, it, it you're doing the, the believer an injustice. Because it's not my fault that that minister who is being asked that question hasn't taken the time to meditate 
and to study. The Bible says study to show yourself approved, to study, to rightfully divide the word of God and to be able to articulate by the Holy Spirit this inquisitive soul's question. So what about Job? Job, this question is such a valid question. Because it, it, it's valid because you want to know why people ask this? Because people go through stuff in their life. And, uh, you know, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up in Christianity. I didn't grow up and go to a Pentecostal church, you know, like most Hispanics. I didn't have any of that. I grew up in a pretty irreligious, wild, chaotic house. And uh, I think this helps because the majority of my generation is sick and tired of being lied to and keeping things surface. You know, people don't want shallow conversations. When I worked at this previous job, I was having this conversation with one of my um, protégés. I was a manager at the job and I was having a conversation with someone who I was passing the baton to. And we just, he came in early I was always early. He came in early, and then I don't know how we just started to talk about life. And he really opened up. He opened up to a point where he was like, you know what, Anthony? One day I was driving in my car, and I just, I don't know what happened. I was just so frustrated that I screamed inside of my car, and I punched the steering wheel. And I said, well, what was going on? And his answer was like, I don't know. I, I just felt this this burning in my soul and I was trying to escape something that I don't even know what I was trying to escape. That That is real life. That's a, that is an unbeliever crying out for the Lord Jesus. So I began to tell him about my testimony and I used that as a segue into Jesus. And I began to tell him about the conscience and I began to tell him that when a conscience has debt on it. This is why people cut themselves. This is why people have self... You ever heard of those? Uh, this terminology, self-destructive patterns, self-destructive habits? Something's going really good in your life and then all of a sudden you, you just... Something within you, you just feel like you don't deserve it. So you, you do everything in your means to destroy it. You destroy relationships. You get You attain success in life and then... In, in your career and then you feel like you don't deserve it so you just begin to destroy it why because there there is debt in the conscience even as a christian if a christian you see what we must understand is the conscience needs to be re-educated your conscience will continue to condemn you until it is taught about the finished work of the cross i'm gonna repeat that one more time a christian's conscience I'm talking about a Christian now. Imagine an unbeliever. But a Christian's conscience will continue to condemn them until the conscience is taught about the finished work of the cross. Now do we see why so many believers are in bondage and oppression? Because it, it, it's the Lord is not condemning them. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation at all to them that are in Christ. So if the Lord, if God Almighty, if the debt has been paid for all of humanity, all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. If the entire debt for, for the entirety of humanity has been paid for, now I'm not teaching universalism, you still have to believe. You must have faith in the finished work of the cross to be saved. But if the, if the entirety 
of hu- the entirety of the debt of humanity has been paid. Who and what is condemning a person? That is my question. The answer is your conscience. So as I began to talk about just life with, with you know, this, this friend of mine, I began to realize, oh, he told me this, and this is why I brought this story up. He said, you know, Anthony, and this is from an unbeliever. He said, you know, Anthony, it's, it's crazy because in the generation, and he was maybe like 20 years old. He said, in the generation that we live in today, it's very unique to find someone who will talk to me and talk more than just surface and shallow stuff. And he was telling me, he's like, you know, many people, whether it's friends, whether it's going into work, like we just talk about shallow stuff. You just put on a smile, even if your heart is broken. You just put on a smile, even though if you're being challenged in an area in your life. And this was from an unbeliever. So then I began to ask the Lord. I'm like, wow, I mean, I understand that being in the world. But in Christianity, we as brothers and sisters, as the family of God, we should be able, the Bible says, to comfort each other, to mourn with those who mourn, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to comfort each other with the same comfort in which you have received. So it, there, there is something, there is a beauty an essence of healing when we begin not to complain, not to simply vent, but through the scriptures, through the finished work of the cross, be able to realize the provision and the way of escape and ultimately the purpose of suffering in Christianity. And I'm going to give you this disclosure before I dive deeper. This revelation that I'm talking about in the found in the book of Job and in the book of Revelation is not for everyone. Because this revelation and understanding is for the mature. So if you're craving spiritual meat, this is a perfect episode for you today. This is not for everyone in the same exact manner that when I teach about tithing, it's not for everyone. The Bible says, Hebrews, the Bible says that the teaching on Melchizedek and even the teaching on the Holy Communion, these are not for the babes. These are for the mature in Christ. So if you understand the Melchizedek priesthood, and the revelation of Christ through that, if you understand the mystery of tithing, not out of fear and obligation, but you understand the mystery of tithing, and if you understand the mystery of the tree of life, which is the Holy Communion, you're mature. Or as Andrew Womack says, you're mature. And in the same exact manner, this topic is for the mature. You know when you watch t- when you watch movies, you're not you're not supposed to watch these movies. I don't. I'm just I'm just telling you. We know before I got saved, you would watch these movies and it says rated R or it says uh, parental. What does it say? Like parental uh, guidance advised. This is this is one of those teachings. So let's talk about the Book of Job, and this will help you. This will help. This will help anyone who has ears to hear. This will help anyone who has a crying heart to understand. This will help anyone 
whose heart has been softened and pruned by the Lord. And this will give you a solution. And whenever I began to learn about this, you do you, it, it blessed me with an abundance of hope. This is such a hopeful message. So what about Job? What happened with Job? First of all, we must understand, we have to rightly divide the word of God. Job was hundreds of years. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you an overview. I'm going to give you a brief overview on the book of Job and a brief overview on the book of Revelation. And then we'll get into the next episode, into the book of Revelation and kind of dig in a little bit deeper because it takes... I'm prepping you. As you can tell in the previous episodes, if you've been listening to us, I've been dropping little golden nuggets here and there regarding revelation, regarding suffering, regarding challenging, regarding pruning, because I was strategically by the Spirit of the Lord to, uh, prepping your heart for this. So Job, first of all, we must understand that Job was hundreds of years even before Abraham. And Abraham wasn't even under the law. So we have to understand everything, you know, the world, this is 2000 and, and whatever it is. I'm not going to give you the time, so I don't want to date it. But this is 2000 something. 2000 something years after what? After the, after the crucifixion of Christ, after Christ, after the death of Christ. So in the same exact manner that in the natural world we keep track of time according to the cross of Christ in the spirit we keep track of the covenants and the time in the stories in the bible according to the cross of Christ as well so this was this was not only this was thousands of years before the cross of Christ not only that but this was hundreds of years before Abraham so, Job, what was Job's issue, first of all? Whenever you read any book found in the Bible, I'm going to give you a golden nugget here. The, the first chapter, typically within the first couple of verses, will tell you the theme of the entirety of that book. And Job, it began with this. There was a man by the name of Job, who lived in the land of Uz. Remember, I've been talking about typology. That word Uz is the Hebrew word for Uzi. Do you know what a Uzi gun is? A Uzi gun, a power gun. The word Uz or Uzi means power or strength. Whenever you see that, it is always talking about human strength. There was a man in the land of Uz. This is how the beginning of Job begins. This is telling us a mystery. Are you ready? Uz is talking about strength. Uzi talk is always a type of strength, a type of power. So the beginning of the book of Job is telling us that there was a, there was a man who lived in the land of human strength, of human effort. Self-righteousness, listen, self-righteousness is always found in human effort, in human strength, in thinking that I can do it. If it's meant to be, it's up to me. I was driving down Ventura earlier today, and I saw this storefront, and it said, liberate yourself. 
and I and I read it and, and the Lord spoke to me and he and he said this. He said, yes, I mean, it's granted because it's the world. It's it's given that the world is has antichrist uh, attitudes and strongholds and mentalities. But liberate yourself is something that even we as Christians tend to lean on without us even knowing. For example, if we, for instance, this is, begin, this is the beginning of the year, and many, many Christians are doing fasting and prayer. Am I against fasting and prayer? No. But notice that the majority of churches will utilize fasting to liberate themselves. You have a, you have a bondage, Anthony, or you have an issue with the flesh, then you should go fast. You need a breakthrough, you should fast. So in, in essence, what we are subconsciously saying is that this act of fasting is our savior. I'm not saying that, Anthony. What do you mean? I'm just fat. No, what, you're, what, what we are subconsciously saying is that fasting is my savior because fa if I need deliverance, if I need saving, if I need sozo, if I need to be healed, then fast. If I need to be delivered, then fast. If I need a breakthrough, then fast. If I need to be healed in my relationships, then fast. But there's only a person, one person who can save, heal, deliver, and give you any breakthrough in life. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he is our savior. He saves us. He heals us. He delivers us every single day. So when we put fasting or any other practice in the place of Christ, that is anti-Christ in place of Christ is when we rely on these religious exercises to and we put them in the position of our savior because we're saying you want healing then fast you want the anointing then fast you want deliverance then fast you want money then fast but all these things come by the finished work of the cross so subconsciously, that's Antichrist. Do we see that? Why am I saying that? Because in the beginning of the book of Job, the Bible says there was a man who lived in the land of ooze. Ooze means human strength. The definition of self-righteousness is believing that you got it. There was a man who lived in the land of human strength. That was his problem. Job was a self-righteous, he was blameless, but he was self-righteous. He believed in himself. He believed that I can do it. He believed that if it's meant to be, it's up to me. So let's continue reading. And this man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and hated evil. Now listen to this, verse 2. And there he had seven sons and three, daughter, three daughters. What's seven plus three? Seven plus three is ten. Whenever you see the number ten, how many commandments were given? Ten commandments. Ten is the number of the law. Abraham petitioned God to not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and he brought the number all the way down. He said, if there was 10 righteous people, would you not burn it down? He said, fine, if there's 10 righteous people, I will not burn it down. But 10, the law could never save anyone. 10 is the number of the law. 
10 is the number of human strength. Verse number one says, there was a man whose name was Job who lived in the land of human strength, of Uz, of Uzi, which means power, which means human strength, which means I got it. Verse number two tells us that he had 10 children. 10 is the number of the law. This is this was Job's problem, is that he was, though he was a religious man, he was a religious man, he feared God, he hated evil. And this may be a lot of Christians today. He, he loved the Lord, he hated evil, but he lived, he dwelled in the land of human strength, and he had 10 sons, 10 the number of the law. To the point where we begin to see, and I'm going to just give you an overview because there's 42 chapters. Do you want to know? 42. Was there? There was 42 chapters. You know what? You want to know how uh, long was Jesus' ministry? 42 months. 42 chapters. 42 is the number of completion of a cycle being completed. Of a mission being completed. 42 chapters. Jesus' ministry was 42 months long. Three and a half years. So right in the beginning, whenever you read the Bible, you read the beginning of an, of a, of an epistle or a letter or a book. In the beginning, the first, very first couple of verses will tell you what's, what's it all about. For instance, in the book of Galatians, he starts off maybe within the first four verses he said who has bewitched you that you have fallen away from grace and gone back into the law talking about so the entirety of galatians is law versus grace grace supersedes the law so here in the book of job we see what the issue was at the very onset for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear we, we see what the issue was from the very onset he lived in the land of human strength he was a religious man he had 10 signifying 10 is the, the number of the law. Numbers are types. Why else would it in the book of Revelation said it takes this takes wisdom to understand. Let him who has wisdom interpret the number 666, which is the number of man, because man was created on the sixth day. Why else would the Holy Spirit say, let, let him who has wisdom and understanding interpret? Because numbers are they are for interpretation for those who have wisdom and understanding. So we see that this man, Job, was, though he loved God, he was very religious. He was very legalistic. He was very sin conscious. So another issue was when you're full of human strength, when you're self-righteous, you are very sin conscious. Why? Or where do we see this in the book, in the life of Job? The Bible says in the first chapter that Job always continuously thought in his mind, in his head, he said, he said, well, maybe my sons must have cursed God in their heart. Perhaps they cursed God in, perhaps they cursed God in their hearts. So I'm going to offer this continual sacrifices on behalf of them. Why? Because he was always paranoid. He was always sin conscious. He was always aware of sin. To be aware of sin, the Bible says in the New Testament in Hebrews is to have an evil heart. It is not good. It is actually evil to be aware of sin, to always ask, is this sin? Is that sin? Is Am I sinning? Am I okay to do that? That is what the Bible calls an evil heart. 
an evil heart of unbelief. So we see that Job was very sin conscious. The Bible says that he offered continual sacrifices every single morning. The minute that he got up, he was very religious and ritualistic. And he offered these sacrifices. Why? Because he said, perhaps my children curse God in their hearts. So he offered sacrifices after sacrifices after sacrifices. And when you are full of human strength, when you are full of self-righteousness, it will produce sin consciousness in your life. And when you are sin conscious, you will be condemned because that is the definition of condemnation is to be aware of sin. That is the law, actually. And I'm going to take it a very deep step. To be sin conscious is to be partaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What does the word sin conscious mean? Conscious means to be aware. Where are you aware of something? In your mind. In your mind, you have the knowledge of what? The knowledge of good and evil. So if you are aware of some of sin, you are, you are having a knowledge of good and evil. So when you eat from the tree, even now as a Christian, when you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that is you being sin conscious and you will be condemned and you, not by God, but you will be condemned because when you are aware of sin, that is the law and it brings forth death. Do you see that? So, moving on. So he offered sacrifices left and right every single time because he thought he was paranoid. He believed in his heart. He was fully persuaded that his children would curse God in their hearts. So, not only that, but then the Bible says when Satan approach God okay I have to answer this question when Satan approached God why 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 did Satan even have a place in heaven because you have to understand that God is a is a just and holy God he is love but he will not contradict his word because then he will not be just and if if any if there is any instance where the word of God where he contradicts him his word the entire universe will be dismantled and destroyed because everything is held up by his word so this is this is something for us to learn as believers today if the bible says that the minute that you put yourself under the law sin has dominion over you and the minute that you put yourself back under grace sin does not have dominion over you then realize when there is a habit or something that is bad or sinful or you just don't like in your life then you are putting yourself under the law instead of grace because the scriptures can't be broken. So why was Satan able to approach the Lord, God Almighty? Because he gave dominion to Adam to rule the universe. In a sense, he was the God of this world. He wasn't God. He didn't have deity, but as a king, he ruled the universe but when adam fell he gave that authority to the enemy therefore satan had the right to approach the throne of god in the place of adam because adam forfeited that place during the fall that is why the tabernacle in heaven was sprinkled with the blood of jesus christ hebrew says that christ himself purified the heavenly tabernacle question why would something in heaven, especially a tabernacle in heaven, why would the tabernacle in heaven need to be purified and cleansed? 
because of the feet of the person of Satan was able to approach the heavenly throne. But now the Bible says in Matthew, I saw Satan cast down from heaven like lightning. Now that place, the heavenly tabernacle has been purged and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And the enemy has been bound. The enemy has been, I saw Satan, Jesus is cast down like lightning onto the earth. There was no place found for him in heaven. Why? Because the blood of Jesus now has been sprinkled on the heavenly tabernacle and the heavenly tabernacle has now been purified and cleansed. And now the son of God sat down at the right hand of God and you being in Christ sat down with him in Christ. That is your position in the spirit. So heaven is now cleansed, purified. The son of God is seated. You are seated in him and there is no place anymore for the enemy. Does that make sense? I had to address that. So what happened next? So then all these catastrophes started coming upon Job. Why what why did but why did everything started to come? So Job chapter three, I believe it's verse twenty five, says, The thing which I have feared has come upon me. And many, many preachers, I used to preach this way. Well, you know, don't fear. And that, that's teaching the law. If I tell you don't think about a pink elephant, you're going to be thinking about a pink elephant because that's the law. And if I tell Dred, hey, don't play on your phone, she's going to play on her phone. I said, don't play on your phone. Whatever you do, just don't look at your phone. Don't look at your phone. Don't look at your phone. Don't. And then she's going to look at her phone because that's the law. That's, that's, that's the law. Don't think about a pink elephant. 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 And then you're like... Wait, what? So in the same exact manner, because Job was so sin conscious and Job, Job was so full of himself. And God knew this. So oftentimes, the Lord isn't the one who ordains these sufferings. The enemy comes in to test, to try to take, to steal, to kill, to destroy. But God will use that to purify his children. So what happened was, so Job asked for permission. I already took care of the whole issue with the heavenly tabernacle and whatnot. So then all these catastrophes started to come upon Job. And the Bible says that that which I have feared has come upon me. We as preachers and ministers of Jesus Christ, we are not to teach people not to fear hey don't fear don't fear don't fear because if i tell you don't fear you're gonna fear because that's the law instead we are to the bible says that the love of god the love casteth out all fear so when i preach to you the finished work of the cross and the love of god is unveiled fear is eradicated by default so we see there he, he was sin conscious he was paranoid. He lived in the land of human strength. He had 10 sons and then he was full of fear. Why? Because he was so sin conscious. And the minute when all these testings come out, his true heart started to manifest. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You want to know your true character. You want to know who you really are. Wait until the fire comes upon your, your butt. That what you do when no one is looking and that what you do when the fires of life are, are upon you is your true nature. 
is who you are, I should say, is your true attitude, is how you really, it, it is your true heart. I say this time and time again, grace, grace will unveil, freedom will unveil your true attitude in your heart. Because when you were at a religious church, you called everyone pastor and apostle, whatever. You called everybody by their names out of respect. You never talked back. You took out the trash. You served. You were on time. All these things. But your heart wasn't right. Because you did all these things out of fear and obligation. Thinking that you would lose your salvation. Thinking that if, if you disrespect your pastor, then God will not hear your prayers. It's not true. It's not true. God will always hear your prayers. You will never lose your salvation. So now that you come on onto the reality, the truth of grace, now you're if you go from a person who was on time and all these things that I just explained to just a very slothful person, a very disrespectful person, someone who just clap backs and doesn't and just talks back, all these things, that is the person who who you were pretending to be in that religious church is not you. The freedom and the grace reveals who you are. Like if I give someone eight hours, I say this all the time, all the time. If I give you eight hours, complete freedom, do whatever you want to do, do whatever your, heart, your little heart desires. Whatever you do is your true attitude. Because when you're under the law, it's like I'm reading the Bible, but I'm reading it out of fear. When you're under the law, I'm fasting, but I'm fasting out of fear. But if you're completely free and you realize there is no debt hanging over your shoulder, there is you never lose your salvation no matter what you do, then whatever you do is what your true is where your current stance of your heart is, is your attitude of your heart, is where you're you are at in life. So why did I say this? Because when the fire began to fall upon Job, guess what he said? He began to he be, he began to complain and boast in his religious duties. So all these things we see that he lived in the land of human strength. He had ten sons. He was sin conscious. He because he was sin conscious, he was condemned. Because he was condemned, he was always full of fear. The Bible says I was never. He, the Bible says Job said himself, I was never safe. I was in I was in my dwelling place, but I was never safe. I was never out of the sight of trouble. None, none of this was true because the devil even said, have you not built a hedge around Job? That's the reality. But because Job was so religious, you see, when you're religious, you're paranoid. You're cynical about everybody. You're critiquing about everything. So Job, though he had the reality was though he had a thorn of a, a, a thorn I'm sorry, not a thorn, a hedge of protection around him. That is the reality to the point where even the enemy saw that. Though he had a hedge of protection around him because he was so sin conscious. Out of his mouth came these words. I was never in peace. Though I was at home, though I was in my dwelling place, I was never safe. Though I was outside, trouble was never steered away from me. Was that the truth though? Was that the truth? No, the truth is, even the devil said, I can't touch him. He has a hedge around him. But Job, out of his mouth, said, I was, trouble was never evading me. I was never safe. I was, always, I was always in harm's way. All these things. Why? Because when you're religious, when you're so full of yourself, when you're so self-conscious, self-conscious is to be religious. 
and and I'm telling you, you want to know how subconscious the human nature is? Put out a, a group photo and answer me this question. Who do you look at when you look at a group photo? Yourself. That's human nature. You look at a group photo. I'm, you're not going to look at, oh, man, my grandmother looks really good. Look at her smile. The first person you look at in a group photo is yourself. That's human nature. Self To be self-conscious, to be aware of self, is the detriment and the downfall in your life. Self-consciousness, a person who is insecure is religious. Because if you're insecure, you're constantly looking at yourself. And when you're constantly looking at yourself, you're saying, myself is important. You're promoting yourself. Self-importance, self-conscious, self-reliant is religiousness. Right? Self-righteousness. That's what it is. And this is what Job was. So the reality was, even the devil said, I, he has a hedge of thorn. He has a hedge around him. I cannot touch him. But Job was so full of himself, he said, I was never out of harm's way. That's not the truth. So the Lord allowed the devil to shake him up, to prune him out of that religious, self-righteous attitude that he had. So what happens next is that when the fires of trials came upon Job, this came out of his mouth. He began to voice his religious duties to God. He said, I was, a, I was the eyes to the blind. I fed the widows. I was legs to those who were lame. I was arms to those who had no arms. I fed the poor. I did this in in modern context, I fasted, I pray, I read. Why me? Why? I do this. I don't smoke. I don't drink. What does Andrew Womack say? He said, I don't smoke, I don't chew, I, and I don't go with those that do. All these religious duties and self-righteous uh, things that we boast in, that is what came out of Job's mouth when the fires of, of life came upon him. That is who he truly was in his heart. He was self-righteous. He was full of pride. To be self-righteous is to be full of pride. To be full of yourself. To be so introspective, self-conscious. And don't be fooled. Even me, especially me, I'll be the first one to be open and honest. The Lord has dealt with me and will continue to deal with me when it comes to me being so introspective. So this is for us to learn not to be condemning, but for us to learn. So that's what came out of his mouth. And I, and in Job, I believe it's chapter 41. And there's so much to it, but I'm giving you an overview. It, there was a whole chapter. And I believe it's Job 41 that Job talked about himself. I was the eyes of the blind. I fed the poor. I was, I was arms to those who had no arms. I fed the widows. I was a father to those. And it was all about I. There was, there was three instances where God was mentioned out of his mouth. And the majority of those 50-something verses, it was always I. I was this. When I walked into the room, even the young applauded me and respected me. I was a, all these things. This is, this is. A whole chapter of Job talking about himself, his religious duties. You see, it's one thing to be like Paul by the Spirit and say, you know what? In me dwells no good thing. I'm, I was a chief of sinner. 
that is that if you want to talk about yourself then boast in the fact that you are weak and that it is by the grace of god that you are who you are today but job was talking about this entire chapter job 41 all his accomplishments i fed the widows i fed the poor when i walked into the room people respected me How, why me all this stuff to the point where God finally spoke out of heaven and said, he said, now come, this is what God said. This is, this is what God feels about self-righteousness and pride. Now realize that we are under the covenant, under the blood of Christ, on, the, on this side of the cross, where there is no more wrath of God for us because the body of Christ has fully paid for it all for your entire life. But look at the attitude. This is God speaking out from heaven directly to Job. After his entire ordeal of him speaking about himself, because this is what this is what this is what God was allowing the enemy. Again, this is a rated R spiritual teaching here. This is what God was allowing the enemy to test Job, so that when you you see when you put a fire to purify gold, all the fuzz and junk comes out, and only by the fire can the junk surface. And when the fire surfaces the trash, then you can wipe out the trash. But you need the fire to surface the trash within. So the majority of the times, it is the fires of life that will surface the trash inside of you that you don't even realize all these mental attitudes that you have. So Job talked about himself for an entire chapter. And then God spoke spoke out of heaven saying, Job, come face me like a man. That's what God said. He said, you said all these things? Come face me like a man. And he and then and then God spoke out of heaven. Do you do you know? Tell me, if you know all these things, if you're such a self-righteous man, if you went to Bible school, if you know all these things, if you fast, if you do these things, then tell me how the, was the earth created? Tell me how the heavens were put in place. Tell me how the calves give birth, God said to Job. Tell me all these things. A voice from heaven spoke out. And then Job heard the voice of God, so he ran away the other way. And then the voice of God was speaking out that way. And then Job went to the other direction, and the voice of God was speaking that way. And then he went to the other direction, and, he sp and the voice of God spoke out, that, spoke out that way, making the cross. And then finally, Job said, I have heard about you, but now my personal eyes have seen you. You see, there's. I was talking to you about that. There was something about having understanding grace and 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 resting and the flesh and all these things. There was something about understanding it ther theoretically that doesn't produce impact. And that's what Job said. He said, "I've seen. I've heard about you. That's theoretical, but now my eyes have seen you. That's revelation. That's understanding, which takes a soft heart." And then Job said this. He said, I have seen you and I hate myself. Therefore, I repent with dust, with dust and ashes. And what happened afterwards? Then Job was rewarded double of everything that he lost. So all these things, why did this happen? The first, the very first verse, and I'm wrapping up right now. The very first verse was... There was a man who lived in the land of human strength, 
who had 10 children. <laughs> what an introduction. He was a, he was a righteous he was a self-righteous man. He was very religious, full of pride, full of sin con sin consciousness. Always condemning himself and if you condemn yourself, you will condemn others. Always critiquing. Always self-conscious, always insecure. Literally, that is, the, the issue of insecurity is right there. Because the devil said, he even testified, Job has a hedge of thorns around him. I can't touch him. That's being secure. But Job was so self-conscious and, and full of sin consciousness that Job was insecure because he said, no, though the reality is I have a hedge of thorns around me, I'm not secure. Harm is never out of my way. Though I dwell in my house, I was never in safety, Job said. Though I was out and about, trouble never evaded me. He was insecure. Every, do you realize how the law produces all these things in life? The law produces depression. The law produces insecurity. The law produces anxiety. The law pr pr produces psychosomatic symptoms in your body. Psychosomatic. Psyche, soma means mind and body. Soma means body. Psyche means mind. The, the law produces all these things. So even Job was so insecure, though he was secure. So this is why the fire had to come upon him. And it wasn't until he came to his Romans 7 experience like Paul did. And he said, oh, wretched man that I am. Instead, Job said, I've seen you and now I hate myself. Paul said, he Paul said it this way, oh, wretched man that I am. Job said it this way, I've seen you and I hate myself. Jacob said it this way, his, well, he didn't say it, it actually just was imposed upon him. His hip bone was broken. His human strength was broken. And then he was pronounced a prince. Job was broken and then he was given double. Paul by the spirit said, oh, wretched man that I am. And then the victorious life came in Romans chapter 8. So do you see that? Do you see that the entirety of, of Job's issue was that he was so full of self? Oh, wretched man that I am, Paul said. And the majority of the times it's not until the fires come upon our butt that the trash so that the trash could surface. And when and our responsibility, because when the fires come upon our butt. The trash will surface and we will see it and you will cry and be full of humility at that time. And our responsibility is or our response is the same exact way. Well, Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? The answer, I thank God for it is through Jesus Christ, he said. Job said, I've seen you now, and I hate myself. So I repent, I change my mind. And then Job received double. There is a double, listen, there is a double waiting for you when you come to the end of yourself. Job received double of everything. 
to the point where even the Bible says, the Bible literally says this, that he had, he lost his 10 children. He had 10 more children. And the Bible says that his daughters were the most beautiful. The Bible says this, the most beautiful women, the most beautiful daughters in the entire land because God has blessed Job. You can't tell me that beauty is not a blessing from God because the Bible says God blessed Job and Job's daughters were the most beautiful in the entirety of the land. That is a scripture inspired by God. But that came forth when? When did that come forth? When did that happen? When did Job receive double? When did Rome, When was Romans 8 written? When was Christ in you revealed? When the fire came to test you? Because all this time, God sees the pride in us the self-righteous in us but we are so our mind is so deceptive to ourselves that we don't see it so the fire comes for the junk to surface and for god to wipe away that junk you know you ever boil water and then like if you boil water or you boil something i don't know i don't really cook but there's but like something surfaces up and then what you do is you grab like a spoon and you kind of wipe away the gunk or whatever it is this is this is exactly what happens is a fire will come upon your life so that everything that you think that you are strong in will surface and will be wiped away and you will come up pure cleaner wealthier more handsome more beautiful more more strong in the lord but weak in yourself at the other side of this trial. 42 chapters. 42, the completion of a mission. 42 months for Jesus to finish his ministry. So that was his problem. And we didn't get to, to the book of Revelation, but I'll do that in the next episode. But I, I want to submit this to you as I close up right now. That the majority of the times, listen, if there is something that you're being challenged with, literally, I almost feel like playing it because Dre sent me some amazing, amazing, amazing video of this dude. I'm an, I don't know how, but I'm going to bring him on to our, our, our podcast. Dre is very creative, so she was looking at the, at the creativity of it. I love the word and I'm a minister, so I was looking at what he was saying. And not only that, but it's just something that, that I've been, my soul has been searching for even more and more. And he was, he, he was talking about, he said, you know, and I thought I was the only one that, that, that kind of like, I thought I was like an ostrich. But he was saying, you know, the more that you follow God, many people think you get stronger. But the more that you follow God, the weaker you become. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, he is our refuge and our strength. Refuge, and he's. He, I, I want to give him a shadow, but it's like, it, 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 it's 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 so divine. It's so backwards, and I want if I can get if my goal to this for this episode is to bring you hope that a lot of the times we keep going around and around and around and around and around of the same mountain. It's because God is trying to show us something, trying to show us. Of our pride, because pride manifests in different ways. Pride manifests in insecurity, in depression, in oppression, and all these things. And a lot of the times, it's the fires of God that will be able to show us how broken and weak we are. 
Well, why would I want to see that, Anthony? Because then you can look to Jesus and then you will understand what Paul was crying out for the thorn in his flesh. And you will be able to rejoice for the thorn in your flesh. And then you will receive the revelation that Paul by the Spirit received saying that my grace is made perfect in weakness. The more weaker you are, the more grace you receive. Great grace equals great weakness. No weakness, no grace. For God resists those who are self-righteous, the proud, but he gives grace to the broken and the humble. In that brokenness, it's actually it's such a beauty. I was talking to Jerry about this, that not only does he humble you down, but in that very process, he gives you double. And not only that, but he gives you more grace. And not only that, but then you can minister to the brethren because of that trial that you went through. So I want you to rejoice and realize that. And the very last thing, if you're listening, maybe you were kind of just, I don't know how you heard this, but maybe you just found us. I want to give you the opportunity. Listen, there is only one person who is able to save you. It's not a thing. It's not fasting. It's not even prayer. It's not even, listen, don't get mad, but it's not even reading the Bible that will save you. The Bible says, come unto me. The Bible Jesus himself said, come on to me. Then Jesus himself told the religious people of the day, you value the scriptures so much because you think in the scriptures you have life, but the scriptures testify of me and you don't want to come to me as a person. You want to you want to hold on to your theological theories, but those testify of me as a person. Come to me and have a relationship with me. If you haven't given your life to Christ, I want to give you the opportunity to do so. You do this by faith, not by doing, but by believing. So repeat this prayer after me. Not anything mystical, but it's something something to simply help you and guide you. Repeat this prayer and receive grace today. Receive Christ into your heart. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your grace. I confess Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I receive everything that he has for me. I am now righteous, forgiven, and I am saved forever by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I want to thank you guys. And like I mentioned, we didn't get through uh, to the book of Revelation, but on the next episode, we'll do that. And if you prayed that prayer, make sure to reach out to us. Send us an email. Let us know who you are. We want to send you something, some goodies, a book, a merch, whatever it is. We want to be in contact and in touch with you. And for every other brother and sister who has been listening to us, do me a favor and begin to evangelize in the most simple way and send this episode to three new people this week. That is my birthday request. Three new people this week. Three people who've never heard of this podcast episode we have over a thousand something so far listens or whatever it is. I'm not too familiar with the metrics. But if, if we can just multiply that by three, that'll be amazing. So do that favor for me and I will see you in the next week. Hey guys, we want to thank you for tuning in. We pray that this quickened your heart. If you'd like to give a one-time or become 
a monthly partner, visit our website and hit that Give Now button up at the top. We thank you in advance and pray that you continue to receive everything God has already given you by grace through faith.